Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Smartcast and Najahi Events. More about them later. Right, today is a crypto day. Amy Tannen. Okay, I wanted to make sure I got her name right. <laughs> There's nothing worse than someone pronouncing your name wrong, is there? Otherwise known as Blockchain Boss Babe, is a Web 3.0 strategist, entrepreneur, speaker, advisor, and crypto coach. Come on, let's learn crypto. As a certified chain analysis consultant, she's on a mission to educate millions of women in financial literacy through blockchain tech, decentralized finance, and NFTs. Amy and I connected on Clubhouse after comments she made about the state of the crypto industry and why people shouldn't be freaking out about what's happening in the crypto markets right now. She's super knowledgeable, and I'm really excited to talk to her about all things Web 3.0. Should we care about buying up land on the metaverse? What does the Luna and BlackRock scandal mean for the industry? What's happening with Bitcoin and lots more? Right, let's get stuck into this one, guys. Pay attention because this is a smart lady. I'll see you on the other side. Cue the music. The impact of climate change and the growing population on the planet, by 2050, we're not going to have enough food to feed everybody. We have to think about different ways of doing it. How we address that problem is a difficult and complicated one, but one that our sponsor, Smartcast, is dealing with head on. They want to solve food security for the world. So go check out Smartcast. They're doing something really valuable with their farming technologies. Smartcast Tech on Instagram. That's S-M-A-R-T-K-A-S. T-E-C-H, tech, okay? Check them out on Instagram, follow them, look at what they're doing because they are solving a big problem, the world food security problem. And they need your support just as they do mine. So please make the effort to go and check them out. Najahi Events are one of our sponsors and have been now since the beginning. They bring motivational speakers, inspirational leaders here into the region so that we can benefit from their knowledge and wisdom. Go and check them out because they offer really valuable education resources for you to improve your life, whether that's investing, whether that's personal development, whether that's learning how to build social media platforms, all of this kind of stuff, they offer the knowledge around it. So Najahi Events are on Instagram, N-A-J-A-H-I Events. Go check them out. So for listeners that content uh, consume quite a lot of my uh, social media, they might have heard on the grapevine that this is our take two of recording this episode <laughs> because we had a few challenges along the way technically before. So we've had a really long conversation. So I, I know our guest now already is <laughs> it's a bit of a weird conversation, but considering what's happened in the, in the, the world of crypto since we spoke a few weeks back, there's been you know a seismic shift in what's been going on and we can debate and discuss that. So it's a blessing in disguise for all of you listening and watching the episode today. So MA, Thanks for coming to join us. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to get into the conversation. This is going to be fun. Okay, so I'm not allowed to swear, but what the F is going on in the crypto markets? That's been incredible, hasn't it, over the last few weeks? It's been absolutely incredible, but from a different perspective, I'll take it from a positive spin, right? So much negativity in the space when anyone that knows investment literacy and those that want to learn this is your perfect opportunity to start observing the space and really doing research at a paced level to be able to make some really amazing, powerful decisions because it's these markets, having been here for what, almost eight, nine years, this is the time where I'm going to be use the word very loosely. I'll even change it. This is the where the place where successful crypto or DeFi, NFT millionaires will be created. This is the time to get involved because now is a time where everything's down. It's an opportunity. You could research it better. No one's rushing to FOMO into anything. And I think this is where the narrative starts to come to life, right? This is where the narrative of the true disruption of the centralized finance versus decentralized finance is presenting itself. And you're well, seeing lot, it by a lot, a lot, a, a, as well. A lot of people right now are the, the the people that got in in the in the momentum investing stage where they're trying to see the performance, then jump in on the back of the markets and take advantage of the performance. A lot of those people mm -hmm. are buying buying around the forty thousand mark and upwards. Now they're sitting there and they're 
licking their wounds, should I say. But totally. this, is, this, this, this example here has got nothing to do with crypto. It's got to do with understanding investing. Why does everyone want to buy high and sell low? Why does everyone want to buy high yeah. when the performance is in and, and you know, then realize, ah, oh, what have I done? Why can't people say, hold on a minute, where's the logic in this? this the, the logic to buy low and sell high. And if that's the case, then that to me represents an incredible time to not just buy into cryptocurrencies, but considering NFTs are, are directly connected primarily with Ethereum, that you're buying into NFT opportunities now that didn't exist before. Um, this market is continuing to move forward in terms of the technology. And Absolutely. a lot, and, and, and we can only take examples of the past to give ourselves a little bit of a punch on the nose and say, wake up, smell the roses. What a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Have a big one. You know, where you were in Holland, where you are in Holland is where I lived. I was there when the dot-com bubble went in 2000. I was literally on the streets there. I saw it collapse and then then I saw the rise. And I saw the collapse because people didn't understand what was going on. People got full of fear, just like they've got with crypto recently. So if you're an investor right now, what, what would you be doing with your money? If you had a, if you had a hundred thousand dollars to invest, what would you be doing with it? Oh, this is fantastic because you're going to love the response. <laughs> First of all, it's shopping time. Of course it's shopping time. You know, I mean, having spent a decade forecasting for a global brand in the United States and understanding trends and consumer behavior and social economic conditions, you really want to take this as an opportunity to start shopping. But a careful shopper also does their research and they read those elements of newsletters, analytics of the industry, verticals to get more up to speed on where to go. So if I had that, here goes my percentage. First and foremost, I'd be looking at the big techs like Apple, Tesla, Facebook, Microsoft. They're not going anywhere. They're on sale. They're in dramatic clearance sale. So right there, you always want to recognize these big techs still continue to innovate. And this is just a lull in the cycle of them. I mean, I think Tesla, when I last checked, was like 627. My birthday. Pew, pew, pew. But like, you can clearly, <laughs> you can clear, <laughs> had to put that in there. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. But clearly, the part of it that's interesting is that you could also see Amazon, which is also low. So when you see the narratives of the strategic alliances of these these big global brands, I mean, come on, that would tell anyone. I mean, I know that probably Warren Buffett is stacking his fiat to deploy it somewhere. And I'm almost positive he's also going to deploy it in the space of crypto. That's my, that's my thought in my head, because he's been watching this space for a while now. He doesn't necessarily agree with it, but he did also invest in a firm in Brazil that was in exchange, if I'm not mistaken. We could do some research on that one, but I believe he did. So I think he understands the value of it, but he's cautiously stepping through it, which makes sense. It's just an intelligent investor, right? That's an intelligent investor. So I would say a percentage of it is going to look at that. But I am safe to say that I am a baby Bitcoin maxi and a baby Ethereum, which means I would definitely deploy quite a lot into the context of Bitcoin, which is sound money. And also the secondary one would be Ethereum because I am an Ethereum developer. So I am a hacker. Well, what we call hackers, which are people that are Ethereum developers that go in to hack worldwide with the Ethereum organization, as well as I'm a Polkadot ambassador for two years now. So that is another blockchain that has not been released. We are hoping it's set to release by the fall, maybe later on in this year. But that is also going to be a massive, massive disruption to how these blockchains are also engaging with each other. So to keep it very simple and equitable, I'd probably say that I'd probably deploy a third, a third, and a third to keep it very risk adverse. Like I'm not the crazy high risk person, but I'm not someone that's just like super conservative. So I would okay. probably say that. Okay. Just summarize that a third in, in blue chip equities that have had, the sales are on. So their prices have come down substantially Correct. a third into your Bitcoin, uh, uh, Ethereum and major, major, uh, coins and the third into a third into the blue chips, a third into Bitcoin, and then the third into Ethereum products and EVM compatible projects. Okay. Because here's, here's the argument. And I know you're probably, you may, I'm reading your mind. You may be going to ask this question next. Exactly. Solana. I think Solana's gone down more than my 1985's router or 1990's router. Okay. I mean, I'm just going to be really transparent. 
And yes, we could have cheap fees, but I come from the fashion industry. And the first thing that I noticed is like, okay, big deal. Cheap fees aren't going to make a difference. I'll tell you why. When Ethereum goes to two and three, it will challenge those fees. The challenge here is it's also working on development programming language that is not EVM compatible yet. Whereas Ethereum, where you're looking at Avalanche, Binance Smart Chain, any of the other blockchains, Polygon, they are all EVM compatible, except for Solana. Now that shows you something very clearly. Do you see what I'm saying? If you look from a technical perspective, you want something to be compatible so it's scalable. EVM compatible means? Ethereum virtual machine. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Which basically... Sounds like, sounds like a baddie in a James Bond movie. Exactly. And the thing, Spencer, is that when you see these multinationals, they need to be able to have a chain that works for their business vertical, right? So you would not see the same bulletproof as you see in the fashion, the finance industry and commodities and derivatives as you would see in the fashion industry, okay? You have two different levels of KPIs in terms of security. Of course, all of them have to engage with data, which is a whole nother animal. National identities, whole nother animal. Let's put that on a shelf. But when you look at the dynamics of as an entrepreneur, as a executive, a C-level, you'd want to be able to understand the blockchain that suits your needs for your organization. It's not just saying, hey, I'm going to run and do a Solana or, hey, I'm going to run and do this. No, it's recognizing that you have to be able to navigate your objectives and your requirements gathering. And really, as we've said before on the previous one that's not there anymore, we have to look at this from the context of business uh, disruption and the future of business as a futurist. This is important, right? Because we're doing the business for our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our grandkids. It's not going to be for us. So we have to be a little bit less selfish and idealistic and really look at it as a more collective community consciousness. How can this technology help everyone? Not just the people that have the means to get there, but everyone. And this is where you see a lot of these blockchains doing really amazing stuff. But shockingly enough, it's not coming to surface because it's not part of the FOMO pattern that you see on the crypto bros in Twitter or the crypto bros in Clubhouse. You know what I mean? The whole crypto bro culture is not a culture that's really something that is going to last, will last or will uplift this space. We need more dynamics. We need more diversity. We need more inclusion. We need more people that want to build and create innovative solutions to help ESG goals, environment, sustainability, governance goals, right? We need that. And this is why I'm grateful that the first recording didn't go through. But now we have this, this episode, which is being able to bring that all together with a market that's really volatile for a lot of people because they're not looking at it from the correct set of lenses. If they look at it from the lenses of calmity, lenses of understanding, business, finance, investment literacy, financial literacy, business literacy, entrepreneurship, you see it. I don't have to go to deep depth right now, but you get what I'm trying to describe. For lots of people, they will want to understand why did the markets crash like they did? Is like with any market, and let's remove crypto from this right now, but sure. my understanding of financial services is that when a, when a market does crash, there's a um, essentially a, a follow-on event that takes place where everyone te gets terrified and panics and panic selling then take, takes place and drives the market even further down. Now, sure. most, most investments in markets is institutional. China's the only market in the world where there's more retail investors than there are institutional investors or in terms of money's invested. So we're probably dealing with mainly institutional investors. On the crypto side of things, we have a focus on retail investors predominantly um, with, you know, I just was told recently with crypto.com, they, they had a target of doing, uh, having 100 million accounts open by the end of this year. And they just told me the other day we're at 50 million now. And that's from 10 million. Yeah. It's just like, this is nuts. But why did they go down as hard as they did, as fast as they did? What was the driver? Are you well? Let me see if I understood the question in regards to why did these projects in the crypto space fall like that? If you could summarize it for the people that aren't as aware and, and, and educated as you and I on the subject, mm -hmm. why did the crypto markets crash? Well, you had a couple of black swan events. I mean, 
baby black swan events. You had the first one, Terra Luna, USDT, which really was Daquan's situation there, which I won't go into great detail because it's not necessarily where my brain goes when it comes to this space. But I'll give just the high level. Everyone knows you want to read about it. I'm sure there's about 10 articles that you could find that'll give you way more extensive information than me wasting time right here. Then you had the second one, which was the one that I had seen through my research that showed up, which was Celsius. That was the second one. Now that one was a sleeper, even for the folks inside the crypto space. But those of us like yourself or I that understand macro micro conditions or being able to follow the data would have been able to follow the data and see inside the blockchain where all that crypto was going and how it was being managed. And a little bit of what's been happening in the space, which I'm noticing quite a lot more this time than the past couple of times, is there's a lot more what we call degenning in. And what that basically means are individuals who are not really um, of right mind, um, <laughs> mentally, in my opinion, that are just going into the FOMO psychological space of like, I need to do something, I need to ape in, I need to FOMO in. And I'm thinking to myself, no right mind investor needs to be jumping into any sort of market with that sort of irrational emotion, emotionality. And what I find really fascinating is, is that, you know, it's Harvard that said women make better financiers. And I say that, and I say it humbly because women also practice a lot of due diligence and patience. And that is, those are two qualities that are unfortunately missing in your traditional finance, traditional central finance. You find it missing and you find it missing because you also find it missing in what you see now in the crypto space as well. So when you see this Celsius situation appear, it was a very interesting one. Celsius had funds with UST and they too, in essence, degen in, air quotes, degen in, to solicit the APY that they promised to their retail customers. And they started to do almost similar, in my opinion, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, similar to what a, a central bank does, where they would take money in and then they would lend it out to make yield on what it was that they were taking in. But they were doing it in high risk projects, which meant they were gambling in a, I'll put it in air quotes they were gambling with the money that was being put in and it's 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 really I hate using that word but it's the easiest word that maybe everyone would understand right because gambling basically means you put money on red black wins you lose all your money on red and the house wins 95% of the time so if you're trying to beat algorithms if you're trying to beat technology I wouldn't even waste my time what happens from there is once one of those situations happen, then everyone starts asking questions. Hold on Correct. a minute. What could happen here? What could happen if that happens? Hold on. How do we know that this isn't the right thing? Well, how do we know that that wasn't the right thing either? Or can we trust where our money is? Yeah. That that leads to people creating some fear. But to have a fall from some 60,000 down to some 20,000, or it was 17,000, I think it is, lowest, has got people thinking. And what it's got people thinking is, can I put money there for the long term and no I'm not going to lose my shirt or is it a really good time to invest or the other one which I'm getting drilled at at the moment as well is that I'll get in when it gets to 10. <laughs> oh yeah so that's if I could just chime in there for a second yeah yeah that latter one there is the psychosis of FOMO yeah that because that is the person who thinks at the roulette table if they do it again after they won, that they will win again. And clearly that's not reality. And having having gone up to calculus in terms of when I was, in, I loved math, I'm a math lover and a data lover, and probability and statistics would tell you that's not gonna happen. So just the numbers and understanding statistical analysis, it's not gonna work, right? So let's take that one out of the equation and you could just tell them, go burn your money. I mean, really, it's about it's about as easy as saying, hey, that's great, or give it to me, I'll throw it down the toilet for you. One of the two, you know, or, or let me just set a flame to it and it's gone. But the other two are interesting as well because I think they're very valid questions. From a coaching and consulting perspective, what I normally give suggestion about is how to define who you are as a risk level person. Once you realize what your risk level is, 
this space becomes a lot more easier to navigate and a lot more mentally healthy because then you already know and you've set boundaries in place. But again, these are traditionally not personality traits that I have seen in my years, similar to yourself, Spencer, having been around for the dot-com in New York City and having worked for a major media company, their dot-com, I saw it myself where we went from 47 employees to almost 300 employees to pink slips. So, I mean, I was there, you know, web one, web two, web three, right? This is why it's important to understand that this is a technological innovation that is moving to web four, web three, web four, web five. So we are moving in a technological space because a new revolution is a digital one. And this is where we have to consider our kids, our nieces, nephews, our grandkids. We have to consider them. And this is something where, technologically speaking, you'd have to understand how we are moving into an, a creator economy, a service economy. We cannot grow anymore or we will be extincting ourselves. I and don't really, think people really get what that means. This, this. Well, it, well I'm sure you can unpack it, that one for you sure. You know what? But I find it, I find it fascinating. You know, every time a new piece of technology comes along, and you know, I'm 52 years old, so I would be regarded as an old fart nowadays. Um, no, I would probably say no. I think <laughs> 50s is the new 40s. Let's do that, yeah. Okay. Totally. So when we try and analyze what this Web three is, and people getting their head around how it's going to be different. I think people still don't understand how web two really works for big organizations. I think Absolutely. there's people out there going, I've got my LinkedIn account. You know, if I put all my information on my LinkedIn account and I use it, then I'm going to get a job. And that's, that's the benefit for me. And if I'm not looking for a job, guess what? I'm going to get an audience of people and that audience of people, you know, eventually are going to headhunt me down and I'm going to find a great job or something similar. The, the fact is, that platform sits there for you to produce all of the content for them. Just like an exchange in, in effect sits there for you to load all your money on there and play on the exchange. Cool. And getting, getting into a place where people start to realize that the creator economy is going to re reward their hard work, not just in the traditional sense like it does now. You get a million followers and you sell windows and doors. Guess what? Some people want to buy some windows and doors if you keep giving them value. Window and door information. Why I chose windows and doors, I have no idea. But, okay. but, it, but it makes sense. You're just giving a very simple example for how people to recognize where they see themselves in that example, right? And this is the challenge. We have this space that people don't realize they are. People are making money off our data. I'm a, a SQL developer. I'm a SQL developer. I'm a growth hacker. <laughs> Hello, this is what I, I'm a data analyst. This is what I do. So I've been doing this since I worked for a, fa a global fashion brand. I was a forecaster for 50 million units of a major brand. I'd just be really transparent. For I was there for over 15 years. This is something important to understand that consumers are giving away their data for companies to make money off of us. Now, holy moly, like really, wait a minute, stop the presses, like seriously. I just aged myself with that one. But my point is, is if you could really understand that and wrap your head around it, would you really be giving it away? All right, fine, you want my data, then pay me for it, right? You want my data, then pay me for it. I already know you have it, I already know you're getting it. If you want it now, pay me for it. Because that's what we're going to. Now, let me make a living from you by you paying for what you want out of me, like focus groups. Remember Spencer, all those focus groups, they used to pay tons of money to bring you in. Remember for FMCG, Unilever, Procter & Gamble, they would pay you hundreds of dollars, hundreds of quid to get you, to give you their, that, whatever happened to that. Nothing happened to that. It went away because people started just giving away their information for free. And the company was like, yeah, we don't have to pay for it anymore. And now, you know what's really funny about this, Spencer? Guess what has come back? around NFTs, metaverse, and blockchain, those focus groups have really? come back. Because I've gotten three or four or five phone calls from them wanting to pay me for my hour to sit with them and give them information so they can make executive decisions through hearing from someone who has an expertise in the space that's a thought leader in the space. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. But you see, I'm not doing what the other YouTubers are doing or the other Twitter. I'm not 
sharing my knowledge because my knowledge is my value. Why would I want to share this for free? Why? So people are like, why aren't you on all these, you know, why aren't you at YouTubing? Why aren't you Twittering? I'm like, dude, I'll be really transparent because I already understand the creator economy and the knowledge economy. At the end of the day, it's in here. And if someone wants it from me, they're going to have to pay for it. Something. I'm not saying it, it, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be this astronomical amount, right? Because as you know, Spencer, when you go to businesses to purchase, they are making it a large percentage of markup. Like for example, Spotify and an artist, they're making a large amount of money but the artist is seeing a small amount. So if you could imagine the amount of savings that would be for a company, if they went direct to someone like me, mm -hmm. oh, Spencer, then now we have a whole big, a whole new economy, which is in essence, the creator knowledge economy. What do you think is going wrong in the education of this, this new technology and this new, you know, approach to web three? What, because, I don't think people are stupid. On the whole, people aren't stupid. Um, and I understand there are some people that go, oh, it hurts my head. I'm not going to worry about that. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll be a laggard. But usually you see more people getting it faster than you have with this. Usually you see, even if there's the negativity, even if there's the, the as my dad would say, I'm a realist, not a pessimist. Even if there's the pessimism there, you do see the adoption typically as something that's picked up quicker. So what? why the delay with this? I have a couple of observations on that one, a few. So I'm gonna kind of put on my yoga therapist hat on for a second because it's really fascinating. One is the mindset. Your brain lulls in repetition. So if you have, for example, a financial analyst that's been doing the same job for years and getting paid have very well, what incentivizes them to keep on learning? That's number one. What incentivizes them to keep on learning? Number two that relates to that particular topic is your brain lulls in repetition. So the neurons of the brain are not firing as sharply because the brain lulls in repetition and it has certainty. But that's also a negative thing in this space because much of what you see happening is many traditional financial folks coming into the crypto space and thinking they're going to understand it but as my corporate finance professor told me in my MBA, he was from Hong Kong based in Toronto and he taught me here in Holland. And I mean, clearly, you know, the Dutch have a really strong analytical thread to them. They're very good with their numbers in the context of the way, the way certain things are structured, right? We'll keep it just very simple. Yeah. But he did say to me in my corporate finance, I was one that was saying and agreeing with him that Many jobs were going to be disrupted by technology. He said this in 2011 when I was there. And many of the people in our group were like, no, it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm with the professor. Because he said most of the jobs of the financial space are going to be taken away by algorithms and AI. So now when you ask this question, what is the difference in, in these personalities? I think there's several differences. One is that it's a very fast moving pace and technology and fashion has always been very fast moving. So if you wonder why I have the intersection of loving tech, it's because when I worked for that global brand, they supported me learning tech because they saw how good I was in it. And even though I was in fashion, I wanted to go to computer science and engineering, but I couldn't afford it because I didn't come from money. So I turned around and I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. And I changed my mindset on how to do it, but I also had a desire to do it. I needed to do it. I was hungry to do it. For me, interesting to say, how do I find a place where my brain will be able to learn this? But that's because that's what I've been doing for my career. But someone coming in new, look at their ages, Spencer. It's not an insult. It's look at the demographics of most of our multinationals are also aging. I mean, let's be transparent. Now, if they want to learn this, they have to be A, patient, B, their brain has to be willing to take it in. If someone says, no, I'm overwhelmed, this is too much, which I saw yesterday in the audience when I was attending a, a workshop here in Holland, oh, it's too overwhelming, it's too much, then there's a bigger problem in education. And then I would probably say that the root cause is that education is getting too dumbed down and it's not challenging the brain enough when it comes to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Do you see what I'm saying? So for me, I was a math person in high school. And then from there, I went in to do analytics with, with um, 
fashion and forecasting, but I've always kept transforming my mindset and learning because that is the fashion industry. We're always having to be 18 months in advance of trends. So the same thing with technology, it's moving so fast and that speed is not for everyone. So the people that are going to create the new fang, the new fang are going to be probably, I'm going to go on a limb. You're going to see a heck of a lot more women come into this space, but they're going to start to create their own ecosystem because they're not dealing nor are they putting up with the toxic masculinity that's sitting in the space of the crypto bros. So the chat, but now the VCs are getting smart. And they're now investing in those women and having those women pull them forward, but they will probably be art depicts life. And I'm going to give a really, really funny example, which you're going to laugh at. Do you remember Charlie's Angels, that scene with Lucy Liu? But then what you see is that you see her billfold, her, her, she's her pinstripe, very styled suit, pinstripe, you know, jacket, really beautifully, fashionably styled, which is what I see, right? Amazing, intelligent, but also not someone that has to go into the detail, but knows how to navigate what the end result needs to be. And here are 25 engineers follow, like right next to her, following her, walking down the hallway, taking copious notes. Do you see what I'm saying? But they want to listen to her. They would, they, they know they're following this. And this is something that's a, a descriptive, but I hope you all look up that scene because that scene is really, really fun because it's, it's in essence, what I'm trying to describe is that some things are ethereal to the way a human being is. Do you see what I'm saying? And those are character things. They're masculine, they're feminine, there's polarity. So there's a lot of levels. There's a lot of folds in this onion. It's not just simple as saying, how do we transform it? We need to transform it at several root causes. Polarity between men and women. What's happening in our society today, which is incredibly sad, especially what just happened last week with Roe versus Wade. That is just horrendous because not only that is going to hurt the economy, it's going to hurt education because the reality is, is you're now going to have it's a shame to see our mothers and our grandmothers have, fight for what um, daughters, granddaughters, and future generations of women have lost. That is inauthentic to even bring up because that piece is hurting economies as well. Because 63% of the world population is women. At some point, when are people going to realize that majority of the population is women? That's a real big challenge because if we don't support that, we don't support educating and upskilling and bringing together these groups and units worldwide at different cultural intersections, not just the Western world. I don't like, I really don't like that the UK is called the kind of puppet of America when America drops the clangers that it does with whether it's Roe versus Wade, whether it's gun control, um, a lack of understanding of what's going on around the, around them in every other country in the world, apart from their own, it seems to me that that that, that they line themselves up to be kind of ridiculed on, on on a daily basis at the moment, and it's it's really sad when you see these types of things happen in America because there's there's so much there's so much good, isn't there? There's so much good. Yeah. There's so much positive. Yeah, it's destroyed by you know the behaviour of of I mean the supreme. Oh, the Supreme Court in this example. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Just like guns, it doesn't make any sense. Are Americans that different to everybody else on the world? Are they that naive? Are they that, um, you know, propaganda-led? I know, I don't know what it is. Anyway, we'll go off subject because well, I, I mean, this, that, this, 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 that, is a, this is a conversation that we could probably spend an hour debating, arguing, correct. And feeling is, sad for it. I agree with you 100% because it's a bit of an embarrassment. So, like, I'm actually Puerto Rican. So my parents are from the Caribbean. So for me, I was raised differently. Even though I was, uh, I was uh, raised in New York City, I was raised differently, you know? Mm. I think there's an element of how this will impact this space of new technology and creator economy and the knowledge transfer economy because the challenge is, is that the patience that women hold, the emotional tolerance that women hold is an absolute necessity in this technological innovative space that we're going into. If we start to keep them out in any which way possible, 
just leaving it right there. We're going to see other countries come up faster than us. Yeah. You're going to see more you're going to see more countries like Africa, more countries like Latin America. You're going to see them come up because they don't have the they don't have the propaganda or the westernization of chasing the latest fad or chasing the latest product to buy because they don't have it. They don't make that kind of money. So they're not even they're like not even paying attention to it. So for them inflation and CPI indexes it doesn't phase them as much as your Western world, right? So when I hear all this conversation, for me, it doesn't phase me because I was I was raised with Puerto Rican values, which means I'm a minimalist. I don't I, I spend on the things that are matter. I put my health first, which is important, and I say no to things that are just not acceptable. And maybe that makes it complicated for others because it makes them uncomfortable but but my my certainty and my confidence you know that that's me if it makes you uncomfortable that's not my problem you're your it's yours and this is something that we have happening a lot with around the crypto space as well is that you have people just appeasing the masses and i'm thinking to myself okay well then how is this going to be really innovative if you're now more of the same my business is run by women my mom was a strong woman and Built, built everything from nothing herself after my dad went bankrupt. I'm a big fan of women in business. I don't like the whole men, women thing. But if you listen to Jordan Peterson, he'll describe men and women differently. He'll describe them as men being more into things and women being more into feelings or not feelings, caring, I suppose, was the word that he used in one of his videos. Empathy. They're more empathic Empathy. for sure. They're no no doubt. Sure. So, so would we argue if we were completely impartial in either way could we argue that the crypto space the blockchain space is a more thing type space as jordan peterson would describe than a feeling type place and if we could and i'll get your opinion on this in a second yeah. if we could is that the reason why it's mainly men as opposed to women what do you think? I think it's a combination because it's both of them. It's both of them. Because let's use an example of NFTs. People don't really understand NFTs, but who really doesn't understand NFTs? Mostly, if I'd probably say mostly men, right? And mostly men that know things. Men that are creative artists, they get it. Men that work in fashion, soft industries, they get it. Creatives get it. But that doesn't negate that someone who knows does things can't get it too, okay? It doesn't change that. That person can learn it, but whether their willingness to learn it is something different. That's another animal. It's another fish to fry. However, as we enter in this space, the skill that's going to be more required is less about things and more about feeling because you can teach the technology, but the expertise and the environment of engaging with businesses, you can't teach that. That is something that people have had to have an ethereal experience working somewhere and taking best practices and bringing those best practices to the table. And funny enough, most of the change management jobs that I've held as a project change manager, they've been held by women and men both. So it's not been just women. No one, you know, I, I am not saying for one minute that females aren't able to. That's not, I don't think that's the, that's the anything in question here. But what I do think is that they're less interested. And, That's a different question. But if you want to try and bring more women into a space in a subject that generally, stereotypically, and I apologize, women, any of you jump down my throat for this, more women are interested in fashion than men. More men are interested in building bridges than women. You know, more men are interested in building bricklayers than women. You know, there's more women want to be nurses than men. And there's a million examples. You know, if you go right. to London and jump in a black cab, you'll be surprised to find a lady in a black cab in London. But when you do, you're like, nice surprise. But when a guy's in the black cab driving it, you're like, that's what I expected. If they're just not going to be interested in the subject or the part of the subject that we're talking about right now, are you trying to push a big ball up a very steep hill? 
or are you swimming against the tide or do you think you can make that happen? I don't think you're swimming against the tide, but you you mentioned the word education a bit mm-hmm. ago, right? Education is vital because I was a gamer. So I studied math. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed math and gaming because it was strategic. But what's the percentage of men on Twitch compared to women? That's very interesting because there's a lot of women on Twitch. But I bet, I bet the vast majority are men. I'll double check it because actually one of my mates is, one of my friends is actually a a top Twitch streamer and she's female Mm -hmm. and she does gaming. So I will ask her, she's Swedish. I will ask her, she has over 500,000 followers on Twitch. I will ask her because I think it's interesting because what we're trying to do is make the safe. The key thing right now is, is that what you just described and as you see what's happening in my head is I'm processing a solution, right? I'm sure, processing sure. a solution. I would see that it, once the space is made more palatable, because I hate using the word safe, but we have to use the word palatable and somewhat safe and comfortable, right? Then they will show up because right now it's just too much of a toxic bro culture. And that if a woman understood the space and wanted to step in, she would back away. I backed away. I backed away from a project. I backed away from a project because I was being mansplained. But this has to change. And it's only going to change by the women that are stand to make sure it changes. Do you see what I'm saying? It has to be something that just because you you know people and just because you're managing to secure some large funds from VCs as a male under 30 doesn't make you an expert in the space that you're going into because what do you know about balance sheets? What do you know about cash flow? What do you know about managing a million dollar, million dollar fund? What do you know about that as an ex-gaming person? What do you know about that? That's what I'm trying to understand. So are you just the front man for the people that are investing? But then that is the type of character that's going to be selecting who they invest in, which is why there's such a low number of, of females being invest, being funded by VCs and start um, funds because the people that are there are more of the same. It's like, look, you want to see more women funded by VCs then make the women be more women that are funding. And, and this is like JLo just did. She just opened up a fund to start funding more women then get the funds that fund women and fund feminine women, fund women that are more beta or omega, fund women that are not alpha. Do you know what I'm saying? Fund women that are different. Fund women that are that want to do unique things in healthcare on the blockchain. Fund the problems to solve that blockchain will solve. And maybe they are nurses that have that expertise. Bring them into the technology, fold them in. But in order to do that, you gotta welcome them in. You got to make it palatable for them to step in. And that's why you see a resurgence recently of all the fashion companies that are now popping off in the space. Because I said, once the retail fashion space came in, we would see another tsunami into the NFT space. And that is exactly what's beginning to happen right now. The next tsunami is going to be fashion and photography and creatives that have to do with fashion. I sure. don't understand the fashion industry, so I, I can't comment at all on any of it. Is it female-dominated, male-dominated? What is it? Well, I could make some people laugh, but, I mean, it's predominantly having spent my time in the industry, which I love it. I really do. It's the company I left, which was a, a global company brand, was amazing, and they were just the best company, and they still are, and they're a mortal organization. They've been around for 180 years, so it's really powerful, and they're still doing well. Women, immigrants, alternative lifestyle. Those are your top three demographics that have sat in the industry of fashion for the past 30, 40 years. Okay, so so mainly women. When you say alternative, would you say alternative what? LGBTQ. Oh, right. Okay, fine. So, I mean, like, you know, if you look at Versace, if you look at um, Wilk Rodriguez, if you look at some of the big names... Mm-hmm. I mean, our entire, I mean, you have Oscar de la Renta, you, you know, you have a lot of very powerful LGBTQ that are in the creative fashion side that are designing, that are in the mix, but you have a lot of women as well. But then the men that are in there are also technical. So you do find some folks, so you do find men in there that are coming from immigrant backgrounds as well. Like when I grew up in New York City, the fashion industry was predominantly Jewish women 
and gay. So, I mean, that's your three demographics okay. of that industry. So all of the women that are listening to this right now, watching this right now, I think it's important that you understand what MA is trying the to context say. as well. You need to get your asses out of the careers you're in right now. Go and learn about the blockchain and go and go and get yourself involved in the future of so many things. I mean, you, you don't even, you can't even put a limit on what it's the future to. Let's talk about the metaverse and the megaverse for a few minutes here. Let's, let's give our audience an education on the metaverse. I've been approached quite a lot recently about investing in megaverse, in various metaverse projects, and, and I don't know where to start. You know, I literally have got opportunities to get into various ground up, uh, deals that are going on and it's it's overwhelming trying to pick the the number on the roulette table let's call it that for now what's the metaverse how does it work in in simple words okay and what should we be looking for from investment opportunities okay if you look at what the metaverse is i would say in the simple yip yip and yannicka sort of way in essence it's a virtual world right let's just keep it as simple it's a virtual world Please built on a blockchain and you have avatars so you could be an avatar in the metaverse on a blockchain different blockchains and now you can't be a naked avatar no maybe you can but now you want to style your avatar so clothing wearables digital wearables let's go a little a little bit deeper ar vr because it segues in where anyone that wants to enter in this space would want to put uh, deploy their capital would be into the picks and shovels some of the audience are going to get this completely and some of them okay. won't okay famous famous story about the gold rush in america for most people that don't understand yes. this okay the guy that made most of the money that was the guy selling the picks and the shovels so the people that got to prospect for the gold not the people that found the gold okay Correct. so that, that's what she means by picks and shovels so and the reason the reason why i i share this is because when you start looking at what the actual metaverse is, the metaverse is a virtual reality space. So it's, it, you're in there like you're in. So let's take everything you do right now. So take us right there into the metaverse. We would be in the metaverse hanging out, Spencer and I. We'd have different outfits on. Maybe we'd even be styled with Gucci or Prada or Louis Vuitton bag inside the metaverse. And maybe the beauty of the picks and shovels as Spencer so kindly described is that maybe I want to have like longer hair and I want to be blonde and I want to be taller. This is what the metaverse is going to allow you to demonstrate your avatar. So you could want to be different things. And in the context of the metaverse, you could interact with these user computer-based general uh, avatars. And Companies are racing in to outfit you, to style you, to give you the better experience. That's great that you say that. So let me give some more context. Sure. More people today are watching live sports. Uh, sorry, I'll say this again. More people are watching live esports than are watching live sports so you have people watching live football matches with fifty thousand people in the stadium just multiply that by all of the stadiums around the world but there's the weekend the football match is taking place there are more people that are watching other people play fifa or football games online than actually going to stadiums you if, if you don't get the size of this marketplace this hopefully will give you an understanding more people are online living in a virtual world even if you're not even if you've never done it even if you think it's a little bit mad and a bit weird okay go if you've got a niece or a nephew or a brother or a sister that's in their teens one the, you know when i was when i was 15 years old and i was upstairs in the bedroom i wasn't playing computer games the world has changed okay but that's what they're doing now they're playing computer games they're living in a virtual world and that whole gaming industry is blown up billion dollar businesses are coming from it so try not to just keep making a comparison to walking down the high street and going into the pub as your your comparison to this weird world that you don't care for or want to understand there's a huge percentage of the population that are living there and it's only getting bigger okay and you've got to really appreciate that so that you can understand why this is important to get your kind of like your level of education up with but also 
understanding the future of how your life may well be. So let's just give one more example. I'm sitting here looking at my lovely guest straight on the camera. As avatars, we will be doing my podcast in the metaverse. My podcast will literally be filmed in the metaverse. And MA may have blonde hair and blue eyes. And she may, you know, who knows? And maybe I'll have blonde hair and blue eyes. Who knows? Maybe I have wings. I mean, I think the key is, is that it just gives you the ability to use these virtual avatars and products. And one of the things that I think people are trying to wrap their head around, which you just beautifully put, is the functional economic part. You just described the functional economic part. And as an investor, that would be the part that I would focus on, is the functional economic part. Because consumers will still buy, but now to save the world so it doesn't go um, crazy, we don't want to keep on producing and manufacturing clothing and products because that's not going to save our earth. It's not. But if we had it, if we had an opportunity to do digital inside and actually demonstrate, have a, a closet full of shoes inside the metaverse versus a clo- versus two pairs in IRL, you can now demonstrate yourself in the metaverse as opposed to in IRL. I never ever thought I would bank online. I thought it was a joke that would never happen. Exactly. I wouldn't do it. Now you can't bank any other way. I never thought for a minute I would be shopping online to have goods delivered to my house. I'd rather go to the store, but now I wouldn't do it any other way. Look at the companies on the fiat markets, the Amazon and Tesla. We'll just take those as the two examples. Amazon has blown up because people's behavior changed and they were on the crest of the wave and influencing people to change that behavior as well. And that's how they blew up. Okay, remember Amazon started as an online bookstore. Okay, look at Tesla. They're they're bringing in technology that means we don't have to go to the gas station and fill up with gas, okay? And so we see that as something that's better for our lives than when the gas was there before and having to rely on fossil fuels. They're bringing in autonomous cars, which means they can save on safety, less crashes. We get in the car, we can have a beer in the car, for goodness sake. Who cares? Because we won't be driving it. Someone will be driving it for us or something will be driving it for us. We have to understand that this is happening in front of our very eyes right now. And you, some of you have invested in the companies that have changed the behavior and the way we do things over the course of the last 20 years. Why stop now? You just need to understand more about it so that when you make your investment, you can see the impact it's going to have on our lives for the better. And guess what? Some will be for the worse, as it always is, because you can't have the good without a little bit of the bad. Correct. And this is something that you just nailed it completely by saying it's like the internet of everything. We're going to a future of full data immersion, right? So the full data immersion will be rise of the blockchain and digital assets, which we're already seeing, right? One of the things that I saw from the Met AMS event, which was just a few weeks ago, was the rise of hyper-reality avatars, which means they look better than you and I. Scary but true. It, it's, it's, your, it's your it's your birthday. They couldn't look better than you. I'm not going to allow <laughs> oh, that. Thank you. <laughs> but but it's also something interesting to understand that the big fang, like for example, Google, Google's also doing cybernetics. You know what I'm saying? Like motion tracking. I mean, like Google introduced is introducing a product that helps blind people run by being by being guided by AI and devices. That's wild but also like i was almost in tears when i saw this person who was blind testing out the the google product i was like wow and that person was almost crying i think they might have been crying because they were like wow that's the first time i've been able to run as a blind person and i was like wow the amount of things that would become available to those that have handicaps are also very interesting because it's creating a, a spatial audio experience, a sensory experience for people that may be paraplegics or may be handicapped or may be older or they're far from their family. I think there's a lot of things. Of course, there's the good with the bad, right? You know, AI is, you know, when AI was interviewed in London and said, how do you stop AI by not implementing AI? That's exactly what the AI said. And when I heard that, I'm like, ooh. 
oh, okay, maybe uh, we're just grateful we're this age, right? But uh, the thing is, is that it has to be ethical as well. And I think that's going to bring about a lot of governance, a lot of ethical behavior, a lot of ethics in place. And this is where it dovetails back to where you see the uniqueness of this space uh, build, being built. I think that you may also find that women end up in the ethical space, in the, in the deeper strategic part of it that says, we need ethics in here so that it could kind of uh, keep the rails in of what needs to get done, right? And I think that's going to be a great opportunity for certain skill sets, right? Because this is where you want to start seeing where do you use your skill set fit? Because I think we'll have a space for everyone, but all, some jobs are going to be done away with. Quite a lot of jobs are going to be done away with and new jobs will be created because you never know. You might be the bartender in the metaverse where someone could just bartend anywhere. Three jobs that are going to disappear. Three jobs that are going to be created. Go. Three jobs that will disappear. Financial analysts. Okay. It'll be replaced by, we got to put both sides up. It'll be replaced by analytics and machines. That's okay. one. So you, well, that's like your one like this, right? Yeah. Another one that would go away would be, uh, I think our driver's license are going to go away. I think driving is going to go away. Ownership of cars is going to go away. I think that is going to. I was talking with a number of folks that are geeky and geeking out with me, and once autonomous cars get past level six and level seven, you're right. We're going to be chilling in the back seat with a bottle of champagne, and the drive the car will be driving itself, and that will do away with driver's licenses. So, and ownership of cars, right? Artwork, artwork for major hotels. That's going to be disrupted. I'm very specific because I've seen it and I'm, I'm seeing Okay, that's a job, 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 job. Galleries, galleries, like art galleries, art curators. That's going to be something where people are going to become their own curators of art. So that'll be very interesting as well. I would probably say some of the jobs inside hospitals will shift. They will shift. So you may have now more jobs that are connected to actually making the the actual machine work. So like, let's say you're going to use like something to do a surgery, right? You might have that do away with one or two jobs, but there'll be someone that would be upskilled to do something more technical. Do you see what I'm saying? So that could be, um, and, and I'm ideating with you because I'm thinking of like the jobs in the hospital. Like for example, you have an anesthesiologist, right? And they already use computers, but that may go further. Hundred thousand dollars. I want to invest into the metaverse, into NFTs. Don't know what I'm doing. Haven't got a clue. Been listening to you. Been listening to other people talking about it. You caught my ear on Clubhouse. Um, just like, I just want to know what to do with the money. I'm keen to get involved. Where do I go? Okay, I would start to look at OpenSea. Check out some of the projects that were blue chip projects like Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, Crypto Punks, Crypto Kitties. These are mm -hmm. like old. These are projects that are blue chip. Yeah, I'd start looking into those and seeing which one of those are actually on sale because it would be good to find one that you like because they're they've taken a percentage hit but they're still solid, so they would still continue to be solid. In terms of metaverse, that's an interesting one because now that would have to be. At this point, I'd look at Sandbox. I'd look at Decentraland because those are the two main ones that are still active. However, there are some cutting edge ones that are coming out too. But for now, if you're looking at blue chip, it'd be Decentraland and Sandbox because those are the ones that have already established themselves. And I would lean towards really looking at those that are doing also wearables. And Decentraland and Sandbox, I believe are also, if memory serves me correctly, they're both marketplaces for wearables. So now you see where you have different, and you can buy land. So that's really where I'd start looking at, like getting some real estate in the metaverse. MA, it's been awesome having you on the show. We've had a nice chat. Thank you know you what? Much. There's something about the chemistry with me and you. I think we could sit and talk for hours. I'm sure if I was in Amsterdam right now and we were sat face to face, the whole <laughs> afternoon would disappear. <laughs> it would, but then this is also why it's super important for everyone that's looking for this information. Thank you for allowing me to speak on your podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope anyone who's gained value from it comes back and listens to it over and over because there's a lot in this episode and maybe there's a, maybe someone wants to know more about a specific area. So that's also gives someone an opportunity to reconnect. If you've got questions, please let us know what those questions are. Give us some feedback and I'll make sure that we get those questions answered for you with a video specially made with an expert <laughs> answer. How about that? Ladies and gentlemen, awesome. please, please, please give a big round of applause for the amazing M.A. 
What an interesting lady and an interesting episode, All Things Crypto by Emmy. I really, really appreciate that uh, she spent time talking to us today because it can be a bit of a minefield for all of us, can't it? If you're listening to this on iTunes, then please leave us a five-star rating. You've no idea how grateful we are for any ratings we get, but five stars would be wonderful. And if you're listening to this on any other podcasting app, leave us some love, give us some feedback. Let me know, as I always say, what I'm doing badly, what I'm doing well, what I can improve, any of that kind of stuff. Your feedback's important. Your engagement is critical because it helps more than you know. Right, I'll see you on the next episode. Take it easy, folks. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, you can click here and get more episodes or you can click over there and you can subscribe. Obviously, subscribing is better for me, but whatever works for you, I'll be grateful for. Go on, get over there, click it, subscribe it. (laughs) I'll see you on the next episode.